Welcome to Emerging Evolution. As always, I am your host, Rowdy, and I'm with today... Calvin Terrell. The Drapedomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get, like, one of those, like, colon things like you got, like, there, too. I gotta think of something like call that. Call sign, like, Tribe Call Quest. Yeah, something. something like that. Like, you know, you're not really down until you have four nicknames, <laughs> so I think I need to come up with a co- You know, I got the inclusive activist. I need to think of another one. So today, what we're going to be talking about is historical trauma and its effects on bystanders. Yes. So this podcast, and especially the next podcast, this is where we're going to start doing some mind expansion. Mm. Notice we use mind expansion and not truth bumps. Yes, Because we're mind. trying to like just play with that elasticity of your brain so it understands concepts better. The brain's plastic. It yes. can stretch. Yes. And then you'll <laughs> live longer and you won't have mind diseases when you're older. It's good. It's good. So normally... When we talk about historical trauma, we're really talking about, usually when people think of this, it's the effect on the traumatized. Right. Right? That's the only way it's really ever considered. Right, right. And so, before we started the podcast, I stumbled on a really great <laughs> word that I'm going to own, the virality of violence. Yeah. And how it's not just, like, it's, it, it really goes everywhere to everything to everybody. That's some MC shit right there, virality of violence. <laughs> yeah, man. I wish I had a line, like a longer line for that. Um, so when we're looking at the the bystander, so how does how does how do how are we gonna widen this notion of historical trauma, and then how does it how do how can we help show the notion of historical trauma on the traumatized, but then slowly move from traumatized to understanding its effect on bystander? Right, right. I'm, I'm excited about this, Rowdy, because. There's a lot of research and data about trauma-informed care and what's going on to people who have survived or experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, which trauma is another word for violence that shows up in the body, the mind, and relationships, yada, yada, right? But this idea of vicarious trauma, Mm -hmm. a lot of social workers, a lot of therapists, EMTs, first responders deal with a lot of vicarious trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're responding to horrific things Mm -hmm. and they're seeing stuff and they're helping people Yet at the same time, they're taking on some of the suffering, the pain that these people have, but it's really in their mind, in their heart, in their spirit. Yeah. And people so, don't know that though, like with counselors. Oh, counselors no. have to see counselors. Yeah. Counselors it's part of the deal, but most people don't know. Yeah. They're no. just like, oh, you do your job, you go home. I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, and healthy, well, effective counselors, effective first responders do that. First responders, cops, EMTs, therapists, social workers. Uh, people that are dealing with sexual assault, you know, helping folks out with that. If they're really, and I'm using, putting up my quote fingers, being mm-hmm. healthy, mm-hmm. in which we use effective, if they're really doing that work, they're seeking help. They're seeing a therapist, they're getting their own counseling. Um, the people that are doing that kind of intense work and are not getting help and are not seeking therapy, oh, they tend to be the sickest people. Yeah. They really are because they are just holding on to a lot of toxic poison. That's where you see the numbing, like drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. Excessive sex. Right, right. Eating really poorly. Right, or or just acting even more violently because it becomes a rush. I mean, they're changing their opiate receptors. The body remembers. Yeah. The muscle memory, the body remembers no matter what. Yeah. So they need some deep, like sometimes EMDR, like 
brain spotting, like intense therapeutic work to get this stuff out of their muscle memory. Well, I think that's a good way of like describing the truth of it, right? Because like if you keep hitting the adrenaline button, adrenaline button, adrenaline button, adrenaline button, adrenaline button, right? You know, that's where you start to looking at like some of the fatigue that happens, like through the hypothalamus, like oh, yeah. all your glandular systems. Like it's not one of those things you can do over and over. But that savior stuff is addicting and numbing. Yeah, too. man. That's why people living on diet coke got <laughs> urinary tract infections. Yeah. You know, eating donuts and caffeine all hours of the night and yeah. day and stuff. Because they're trying to feed some kind of chemical stuff within them that is being depleted due to the intense emotional work they're involved in. Yeah. So, the bystander piece with regards to historical trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So, think of the overseer Mm -hmm. whipping uh, an enslaved person. Mm -hmm. Think of the soldier riding in and destroying like a native village or community. Yeah. Think of a a land grabber going and, you know, taking over like a little Mexican town, something like that. What you had was a lot of people and especially like these were indentured servants from Europe, peasants and slaves that came over here that were trying to escape feudalism in -hmm. Europe that are now not necessarily directly involved as the slave owner or the overseer. Yeah. They were the guy that drove the wagon, that mm-hmm. picked up the cotton. Right. That sh- drove the wagon then to the ships, right? Yeah. Or the person who was, you know, like carrying the bullets or, you know, like picked up the bodies yeah. after they took over the native village, right? Right. And they didn't do the shooting, but they saw the residue. Mm-hmm. And this benefited them. You know, they're like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm feeding myself, I got a job, whatnot. Yeah. But they didn't directly do the... They didn't create the harm. Right. Yeah. Yet, they benefited from the harm. Right. And then they're witnessing the harm. Yeah. And, and they need the harm to keep going. So this is, again, kind of like a struggle of that social worker, first responder, people that are doing jobs that feed them, mm-hmm. that pay their bills, that give their families opportunities to take vacations, yet what feeds them is dealing with other people's suffering, mm-hmm. is responding and seeing other people's suffering, right? Mm-hmm. So these folks that were so-called bystanders, and I'm putting up the quote things again, mm-hmm that weren't directly involved in the violence and the persecution, Mm -hmm. they still took on the trauma Mm -hmm. because they were now in a position where they weren't being persecuted directly, they weren't getting killed, they weren't getting whipped, they weren't getting enslaved, they were genocidal attempts towards them, yet at the same time, they're witnessing something that I believe to their soul, Mm -hmm. to their spirit, to their mind, to their heart, to their integrity as a human being, Mm -hmm that they knew was wrong. They knew it was really wrong. And because some of them had came from situations where maybe back in the old country, that stuff happened to them kind of, right? And now at least it's not them. Yeah, at least it's not me. Yeah. You know, at least it's somebody else. So the stepping stone, you know, it's kind of like in an abusive family, you know, uh, you were the older brother Mm -hmm. and you got your ass kicked by, let's say, an abusive parent or something, right? And then now you have a little brother, and your little brother, for whatever reason, starts getting all the brunt, right? Getting all the ferocity that you used to get. Yeah. And what do you do? You're like, well, at least they're not kicking my ass anymore. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then at the same time, there's this feeling you have inside of you like, man, I feel kind of crappy about that because I, I, I know this is wrong, but selfishly, I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. and I'm going to ride this wave because I'd rather them kick their ass than my ass. Right. Or I live through it. Right. Maybe you got to like earn it. So now take that out of the idea of just an immediate family, a household, mm-hmm. that concept. And apply that to a human family, the human family of Earth mm-hmm. that has been fragmented by the social science fictional creation of race. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we got a mess. Yeah. And then we have a whole economic, industrial, political, social order built on top of that. Yeah. This whole idea of a bystander, more and more as we talk about it, bro, I, I think the idea of a bystander is really an illusion. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I do a lot of work in schools on bullying, mm-hmm. right? And they talk a lot about bystander responsibility. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'll talk with little little kids and stuff about, you know, are you gonna be an upstander or a bystander? Right, yeah. Right, and a bystander stands by and watches it happen. Yeah. But the upstander is like, hey, you know, we're not gonna take it. Right. You know, yeah, they yeah. stand up yeah. and like, I'm-, I'm you, you got know, five asses to whip now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, really interested or, in that? or like go to the kid and be like, hey man, you don't have to listen to them or you can yeah. sit with us today. Right. Like, instead of even like focusing on the bully, Go to the person being bullied, right? Yeah. And say like, hey, come over here with us and whatnot. Yeah. And you may not be the best of friends, but just show some kindness, show some compassion, right? Yeah. And that's that upstander concept. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, within this social order of our society, you know, an upstander means to risk. Yeah. It means to risk that, you know, financial risk, credibility, social, you know, rank. Standing. Yeah. yeah you Attack. know, and suddenly you become the outsider, you know, you, you, you become, you know, you, oh, you're, you're in with the savages, you're engine now, or a nigga lover, or, you know, you, you, you sold out your power. Yeah. You're doing whiteness wrong. Right. Right. And there's a whole story, tradition of humans called white that actually went against the grain of white colonial corporatist God stuff. They, yeah. the, the, this God complex of white supremacy, there's a whole, like John Brown. Mm-hmm. John Brown was Hillary Tubman's crazy. Yeah, but they portray him as a crazy man because they yeah. don't want a bunch of white dudes like yeah. standing up to slave owners, yeah. man, right? Or getting a bunch of poor white folks together. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean Harriet Beecher Stowe, Levi Coffington. Uh, man, there's a bunch of them. I mean, Daniel O'Connell, he was like the Malcolm X of Ireland, bro. Yeah. And so, this, this bystander piece, the, the everyday white folk, you know, a lot of times, you know, I don't care if you're gay, straight, a woman, a man, or how you identify, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, Wiccan, whatever. The average everyday white folk will say, like, well, I didn't own slaves. Or, I, I, I didn't, you know, my family didn't kill native people, and I love Mexican food, you know? And, and so... Bruh, just because you like tacos does not mean... <laughs> Everything's good. I wish it was that simple because we wouldn't have these issues. Who doesn't like tacos? Right, right. Especially carne asada is bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I told a sidebar, there used to be a place out here in Phoenix because I'm trying to eat less meat, man. You know, we can help the planet by eating less meat. But anyway, it was was a vegan Mexican food space, man. Okay. And it was called, because you know we got like all these Bertos, Philly Bertos. Yeah, there's Bertos everywhere. It was Teddy Bertos, man. Teddy bears. Teddy bears. Like yeah. teddy bears. Yeah. But there anyway, the point is is these bystanders, 
that watched historical trauma mm-hmm. carry that trauma in their muscle memory as well. Mm-hmm. Carry that trauma in their cells and pass it on to generations. And a lot of times, the way that trauma shows up is when we address the truth of these historical issues, mm-hmm. fragility pops up. They freak out. Oh yeah. I I didn't I didn't own her. I I and it's not like, me. Re- relax. But I'm good. Relax. And yeah. then and there's the you know that that muscle memory is getting activated of like you never did do it you never did risk in the past and so now the big challenge for bystanders is to be upstanders mm-hmm. and that means to take a risk to risk you know what neo nazis call being a race traitor yeah you know when white folks confront white supremacy mm-hmm. when men confront patriarchy yeah. you know when straight folks confront you know heteronormativity or homophobias and transphobias or the spectrum of phobias when u.s patriots when people that say they love the u.s i mean yesterday was the fourth of july right yeah. right yeah when u.s patriots are willing to risk confronting these concentration camps where refugee children are being put in you know i mean if you love humanity because that's what this country was said to be built upon life liberty and the pursuit of happiness what are you willing to risk for that for all people? Well, it's funny because America costs something, but apparently it only costs whoever wants to go fight in the wars we dictate, right? There's no cost to like maintaining social order. There's no cost to like community organizing, make sure that we like feed people, like do stuff. Like that schism between like cost and like Bruh. that it's all just war. I mean, and it's funny because with the war, like that gets me to thinking about your bystander effect thing. I wish I knew where the stat came from because I hate quoting unsighted sources. But I heard with PTSD that 98% of people that go to see war, you don't have to commit or do anything, just right. see. 98% have some form of PTSD, and they speculate the 2% already had some form of mental illness already, mm. and so. Mm. They came in not there or whole, and then so they just came out in the same space or just got extra activated, right? Right, but when you think about that 98%, so that means like the chaplain who didn't shoot or kill anybody, right? 98%, right? Just from seeing all that stuff over and over, you get the PTSD, the medic, yeah, you know, the fuel driver, the water driver, Right. right? The logistics operator, right? The person that was just doing dispatch on the phone, the comms directors, right? Hearing people yelling and screaming and all that. This whole piece on vicarious trauma and witnessing trauma in others, this idea of bystanders, I think more, uh, there's a lot of that in society. Because even when we may be of a particular identity or group that feels oppressed, but when we hear other people's oppression, we may think, oh yeah, I'm letting that roll off you know, big deal, or, well, that's not my people. Mm -hmm. I believe at a deeper energetic, spiritual, conscious level, whatever you want to call it, we are being affected. Well, I think too, like, it's the justification of the violence, right? Is because it's not happening to you. It seems to have some outcome or effect, right? And so you're, the fact that you're able to sit by, still feel somewhat unaffected, Mm -hmm. means that you can believe in violence as a means to an end. Which, because right. you believe that violence is a means to an end, now that exists all the more. Yeah. Because belief is like, you just got to buy in, right? If right. we all believed violence did not do these things and we all withdrew, like that would be the new truth. Because well, we'd all be doing and practicing that thing. But that buy-in of this is that thing, this is just how the world is, this is the, how the world works, 
You know, like at that belief level, I think that has something to do societally with allowing that thing to happen more. And it's okay, because in this instance, it didn't happen to you. I mean, you touched on it a little bit earlier when you were talking about the deification of military. Yeah. And how, you know, it's, it's interesting working, you know, doing trainings with paramilitary organizations. Law enforcement is paramilitary, yeah. right? And, uh, and I've done work with JNCTF, Joint Narcotics Task Force, the wing of the National Guard through FEMA. Mm -hmm. Working with people that are in situations where they have authority like this. So first, they take an oath to protect the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. But there is none of those. And <laughs> domestic, That doesn't right? happen, right. Because there's no domestic terrorists. No, like. no, 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 no such thing. Timothy McVeigh, no, 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 no. Anyway, yeah. but they have authority to arrest. That means stop somebody. Detain. That means to hold you from you can't go where you wanted to go. Yeah. And also use physical force, including lethal. So that means I can beat you up, I can like rough you up, or kill you. Yeah. Right. That's a lot of authority. Yeah. If in a society, we cannot question people that are granted that authority our law enforcement organizations, our military organizations, if we can't question the military, question law enforcement, criticize the military, criticize law enforcement, if you can't question or criticize people that are given a godlike authority, that's a fascist system. Well, and the other thing is, what I've never understood about that institution and the people that are part of it is inherently something needs to be done for those individuals too. Yes. You know, so many yes. people are like, completely on the police, right? And I'm like, have you gone on a ride-along? No. I'm like, you should go on a ride-along. It's going to be hard for you to go on a ride-along if you're a critic of the police, but you still can, right? But when you see their life going from call to call to call to call to call to call to call, and the culture of being like, right before they go out, they're all praying they make it home like every single day. Firefighters don't pray they make it home every single day. Well, they, you know they, what I mean? They, like wildfighters. But not in the same, like, the fire is going to kill us. Well, the I've, fire's Roddy, like I've worked with force. cops, and I, I, I want to say, like, the one thing is they chose that profession. That's true. They chose that profession. And if you chose that profession, then you chose that trauma. You chose that stress. And now our system needs to help protect them. The problem is law enforcement protect and serve go into a lower socioeconomic, non-white community. Not your community. Black, native, Latinx, right. right? I don't care if the cops are black, Latinx, or native. They're gonna treat that community a certain way. Especially if you don't live there. If they go to another community that is so-called affluent, higher socioeconomic, predominantly white, they treat that community different. The same level of crime, the same level of mm -hmm. dysfunction, the same level of drug activity and domestic violence. More. And rape. The stats say more. And well, affluent hey, the, the issue is, is the way law enforcement responds in those different communities is the problem. Yep. Racism shows up when things go wrong a lot of times. Yeah. And so humans are good people and assholes come in all colors. Yeah. Okay, we really do. And the challenge is, is when the assholes show up in colors that are not white, they get punished way more. Yeah. Even by people that look like them. Yeah. And so that's what I mean with this bystander responsibility, this upstanding, this vicarious trauma, this witnessing historical trauma. Mm -hmm. In all industries, in all institutions, education, law enforcement, social services, you name it, mm -hmm. people that feel like I'm not calling people slurs, 
I'm not hurting somebody. I'm not a mean, bigoted person. But you're witnessing it. You're hearing it. Yeah. And it is affecting you. And the way it's affecting you is a lot of times when you witness the people that are the oppressed that are being traumatized, you can end up traumatizing them more because you haven't dealt with that trauma that is within you. You are being habituated and engineered to be the traumatizer with your bystanding. Yeah. It's interesting because like when I try to explain, like when I feel like I've given some people of awakening to the way the world is and the difficulty of it, right? Like I, I use the term asshole too because like it's so great, right? Because <laughs> there's just assholes in the world. What are you going to do? It's real. Because they're like, what do we do with the assholes? I'm like, they're assholes. Like you yeah, just got to just, just gotta make sure they are. I, I, Once I, you know, you're good. Well, Rowdy, I honestly think before we can talk about a lot of this other stuff, like if people really want to do that self-work, yeah. the first question you need to ask yourself is, are you an asshole? Yeah. Like really? Are you an asshole? Because when you put all these other ideas. Do that every issues, day, by the way. Yeah. Every day, wake up and be like, am I an asshole? Oh, no, you don't. Or yesterday, the, no. was I an asshole? Yeah, you, you can't go to the weekend asshole workshop and you fix. Right. Like, you working on your yeah. assholeness. Yeah, absolutely. You know, your sphincter story for the rest yes. of your life. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> but I tell people, because they're so used to seeing the world in, like, racist, not racist, right? And they're looking for the racists again. And I'm yeah. like, there's like seven racists. You know what I mean? Like, there's it's not spectrum. that many. It's a spectrum. Well, yeah, but like you're only really a racist if you're like, hey, what's up? I'm a racist. And I'm like, okay, Gary, then I believe you because you've self-identified and you let me know where you're at, right? But there's not enough of them yeah. to really work on. Like yeah. there's like 10. Yeah. It's not It's not worth the effort. Most people just don't know and perpetuate. Most people are the bystanders. They yes. just allow that stuff to happen. Right. But then there's a whole other level of people that understand the systemic issues. So they're woke, but do nothing. You understand this happens, but you don't show up, you don't like help folks, you don't pay, you have a conceptual understanding, but no hard action. Well, that's the theoretical, that's the people that have read some good books. And don't get me wrong, there are folks that are woke, that, that will use the term woke, that are woke and they are waking up the world, right? Yeah, right. Now, if you're woke Doing and waking up the yeah, world, that's work. great, right? Yeah. Great, 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 great. But then there's people that want to be trendy and use woke like it's a brand, yeah. right? And it's it's an opportunity and it's a way to get some social cred or to get laid. Yeah. You know, it's like dudes that do a lot of these poetry slams. These brothers like, yo, what's up, baby? Snap, snap. Yeah. And it's like, man, you don't care. You're just trying to get some. Or they're you know? like, let's talk about the patriarchy till I can get you into bed. And yeah. Like, then people, then she wakes up and like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, what happened to the patriarchy? The yeah, it was yeah. under the covers. That's what the yeah. patriarchy was right yeah. there. Right? So anyway, and I don't want to like culturally cop that because you know, I, I mean, I got to check that within myself Absolutely. and whatnot. But it, it's a journey, right? Yeah. So I'm talking about the people that want to live in their head with this stuff, and that's what I think you're talking about. Yeah, that don't want to risk the heart or risk their bodies. Yeah. Well, you know what? And I think real talk, a lot of people are ready to die physically. I think yeah. a lot of people crave martyrdom, man. Yeah, I agree. They crave martyrdom, yeah. right? Because they, they, they want stories. They got these delusions and yeah. stuff. They want to come out of any town and, like, stand in front of the Black Lives Matter stuff and get tear gassed. And I'm like, there's really not, like, a lot of day-to-day -day opportunities right. for that. But what people don't, how people don't want to die is they don't want to financially die. Yeah. They don't want to socially die. They don't want to be unpopular. They don't want to be, you know, the one that brings up a question or professionally die, to lose credibility at work, right? Yeah. To lose, to challenge a system, a structure, this day-to-day -day insidious stuff that we access as bystanders of violence. 
It's one of the hardest things I, I have trouble with when I show people how to start responding to some of these things. Mm. They, they're really afraid to do it, so they try it, like with a lot of vigor, like the first like seven times, like they go, right? They're all in, right? They give it like, you know, ignore, like respond, I statements, all the stuff, right? They give it their best go, right? Seven times. And like everybody doing anything their first seven times, they suck at it. Because you are going to suck at anything the first seven times you do it. Well, I, like, I, you got to get to like 100, 150 before practice. you find your way. Real practice. But they don't know and nobody says you're going to suck at this. And you need like 100, 150 tries before you're going to be effective. But then they quit. Real talk, perfect example. I myself, when I think about my early days of serving in this way around this work on healing these historical traumas, right? The early days in the man the early 90s when I was doing this stuff man the conversations I would bring up with people the stuff I would say I want to personally apologize to everybody in the world right now if you're listening to this podcast because there's stuff I said that I know was Stockholm syndrome I was being a good house slave I was coming from anger yeah you know and uh, there was times where I enabled and I was afraid to push the buttons or push status quo because, you know, I was worried about losing contracts with clients. Yeah. And I was selling out. Yeah. I was selling out, man. And that, man, that that shook me to my core, man. That was like some, like, spiritual danger for me, realizing that stuff. Well, I like what you said the other day. You were reshooting your TED video. And yeah. you were like, the reason I get to be here is because I perpetuate rightness in the acceptable way. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, honestly. To live life is to do those things over and over again all the time, but to hopefully lessen some of those things, Yo. stand up to some of those things, or be strategic enough to find, you know, because like sometimes you do have to pick your battles, right? Like if I'm going to be higher ed and push higher ed, can I fight every battle? Of course not. <laughs> but can I strategically push in an initiative that'll make a difference? Yeah. Does that mean sometimes I got to shut up and let it ride? Yeah. But that sucks because people look up to you and they're like, why'd you shut up and let it ride? And you're like, I'm doing the best I can. It's you know it, what I mean? What? And I, maybe tomorrow I'll be a little bit better, but today is where it was. I, I think, you know, it's kind of an ironic thing. What you just did too, Rowdy, is when you said, when I redid that TED Talk, I said, I'm in front of the room because I do whiteness well. Mm -hmm. And you said rightness well. Yeah. And, and But just think about that, bro. Right. Like, just think about that. That how the creation of whiteness was to hijack With goodness, yeah. hijack virtue, right? Yeah. And so, like, we got a lot of unlearning. And so we got to be strategic with this stuff. And at the same time, I think a big piece, because there's so many more people that are actually the traumatized. Yeah. And then the witness of trauma, the bystanders of trauma, that the majority of the world is really the traumatized and the bystanders of trauma mm -hmm. there are traumatizers and here's the thing traumatizing has been gone on for so long that it's it's like a, a ghost man it's like a haunting spirit it's insidious in our systems and our structures people don't even have to act as traumatizers anymore it is our economy it is our measures it is the way we do life and so this piece about getting better this piece about picking the battles and whatnot when we witness each other slip, when we witness each other mess up, you know, when we see that trauma, when we see somebody we love, like I hope you do it to me and mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it to you. Yeah. When we see somebody we love 
perpetuate trauma, like let trauma slide. Yeah. I challenge people to, instead of saying, I'm gonna call you out, to yeah. say, I'm gonna call you in. Yeah, I like that term so yeah, much. I'm gonna right? call you in. I'm it's gonna call you intention. back into our humanity. I'm gonna call you back in. Yeah. And it's from love, man. It's yeah. from this idea of like, I'm calling you back into the human family. I'm yeah. calling you back into we need you. To this healing. We need you. And yeah. when you did that, you stepped away from the hoop. You stepped away from the circle. You stepped yeah. away from the infinity, you yeah. know? And so I'm calling you back in. Yeah. And versus I'm calling you out as I got you. And then that plays some elitist crap. Oh, man, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then there we get. That's separatism. Well, that's hurt people, hurt people, man. Yeah. We we're perpetuating the trauma, yeah. you know? And so. And it's so hard because, like, our work does this all the time. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. And it's funny when you talk about some of the stuff, like, there's some quotes that I just love from, like, different texts. When you were talking, like, there's a separation of sin quote that I just love, right? Without. Like, in inherently, to be separate, to be disconnected from, out from, from othered from one another. Mm. You are now in sin. Yeah. And this is not what we were built for, right? And I'm not talking about condemned sin. No, like, there's no. a, oh, I gotta share this with you. There was a guy in San Diego that runs a church and he was saying that sin was like an unfortunate mistake that took you away not an intentional damning or removing yourself from something he said the word in Greek was more like a mistake a fall a failing right uh, stepping away from rather than like a trespass and on purpose Right. You know what I mean? An like, intentional harm. Yeah, right? Yeah. And the difference between those two words is really fascinating. Well, I think in Latin, like even in Spanish, like sin, like sin, sin carne means without meat, you know? Yeah. So sin means without, like right. away from, yeah. if you will, right. you know? But it has this like damning notion to it. Well, like, man, because that's people weaponized I know. teachings, you know? They, they did that. But then when you're talking about the... Um, perpetuation of violence and the systematic nature of violence. Mm -hmm. There's also this term in Buddhism called hungry ghost. And the hungry yeah. ghost always needs to eat. Yeah. It's never fulfilled and it yeah. needs more and more, right? And it's always a great metaphor for capitalism, yeah. but I think that's violence too. Yeah. Because like, and it's funny because people want to like shoot the ghost. And I'm like, no, you're feeding the ghost yeah. with your violence. Yeah. Only love undoes the ghost. And there's times, this is, this is what's scary about love but there's times when we must fight evil yeah and so violence isn't evil necessarily violence is like that distortion of virtue it's distortion of love i do this because i love you or right if you're really my friend you won't talk to them and that's the weaponization of loyalty right mm -hmm. violence is that harm to a body a mind a heart a spirit a community a society mm -hmm. but evil is the rationalization of those violences. Man. Right. Evil is the polishing those violences and calling it progress and yeah. good. That's evil. Right. You know, like you know that's harm, but yet you're gonna spin it as health. And well, wealth. and that's like, it's too, because it's harm, because like harm's not necessarily always bad. Harm is also doing enough push ups that you can't do in more push ups. Right. But is there evil intent in that? No. Is there intent to. To rip down and take apart? No. But like there's you're a chance to, to build. Yeah, there's a chance to. But rest. that's where intent. Right, intent to, and because with that breakdown, the intent is there's afterwards going to be rest. Yeah. Repair. Yep. And greater strength. Yes. Versus breakdown to sustain weakness. Yes. To sustain a lack dependence. of capacity, dependence. Yeah. To make someone your vassal, your lesser than, and you become their god. 
Mm-hmm. That is that's evil, man. Yeah, yeah we were talking about that. Part of the reason why we we've created the friendship is because people saw us this way and we're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I want to be your crack. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, do you want to sign up for a lot of heartache and letdown? Because I mean, you can. Because yeah. this is inherently what I'll do with my humans for you. I use Charmin daily, just like you. Yes. All right. So don't put I me on a pedestal. About that, right? Like the Dalai Lama takes shits. <laughs> So did Jesus. That's right. Jesus didn't have toilet paper. He had to wipe his ass with his hand. Come on, man. And he blessed you with it. That's right. <laughs> you know? For real. Moses so, probably ripped some, man. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. So the last thing I wanted to leave people on is, so with the bystander thing. because that I, sacrilege right there? We what's that? Say, but, no, we just, we, people like, hey, by the way, you know, I, I, I apologize <laughs> if, if that offended you. Cause I I don't like whenever I say I'm not I'm not Muslim but whenever I say Muhammad peace be upon him I just respect yeah but I I just want people to realize that in human form these folks we were just talking about these manifestations of God they were here on this planet they they had human bodies so they did human stuff well and I think in the book they're written that way like Moses got pissed and hits the rock never gets to go to the promised land yeah why is that powerful because he's human yeah. and that means. He was a human that did this thing, and I'm a human, and I could do this thing. The Buddha was hungry. Yes. Jesus was scared. Yes. Right? Muhammad, Jesus was forsaken. Oh, man, Muhammad, peace be upon him, like his wife was his sugar mama of Khadijah. Mm-hmm. You know, she right. she took care of the business while he was working because they had to run Ethiopia. You know, so, like, I mean, Krishna was, like, in the middle of a battle and, like, yo, yo, this is, is kind of scary, yeah, could you man. imagine? Stop. <laughs> Hold up. Stop for peace. Stop. Hold up. You that know? was not popular in the moment. I mean, like Bahá'u'lláh literally like was scared his son was dying and like let his son I mean so all the messengers of God went through human stuff and know their stories I guess Roddy and I are trying to say is that we put people on pedestals we have expectations and what those are are just like preludes to disappointments Mm -hmm. you know because that's another form of the harm and the violence yeah is that you don't see me as human, and then you have unhuman expectations. You don't see Jesus as human, and you have unhuman expectations for Jesus. Mm-hmm. We got to give each other the grace of the stumble, and and with that. So one of the last things I want to hit on, because we got to do this in like about five minutes. Okay, is upstanding seems to have a lot of risks. Yes, not a lot of like immediate benefits, because I think we tell people upstand, but we don't tell them what is the benefit of the cost. And mm. what does life feel like mm. as an upstander? I, I think one of the things too with the upstanding, before we talk about like the spiritual benefits, you know, the yeah. energetic, the mental, emotional, uh, as well as the possible like social and like communal and global, the environmental benefits, mm-hmm. right? When people upstand, I think we also have to be very clear about our motive for upstanding. Yeah, because the savior um, stuff gets involved. Yeah, well, the savior stuff gets involved, or we have some kind of hidden agenda, some ulterior motive. Uh, the high concept of consultation, this concept of purity of motive is really important. And I think that's in all things, is really being clear on our motives. Yeah. You know, am I trying to manipulate? Am I trying to control some outcome? Am that's I weaponizing really hard. something? It's hard, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, because that means shit you can't be numb you got to be awake you got to be conscious you got to care about shit and that's and just because you have a great motive doesn't mean you're gonna have a great outcome well see there's intent versus impact right that's real that's that's a whole other podcast i know but like you got to keep both of those things in your brain at the same time so the idea of this intention this motive 
and then being humble and receptive to the outcome that you might get called in. Yeah. The benefits, I think, you know, is that you're paying your rent. Alice Walker talking about for living on earth, service. If you die, you know, if you die physically, emotionally, professionally, economically, you died for something righteous, mm -hmm. something that is like good. You know, you can lay with your heart at night and hold your heart and say, you're a good person. You can look into your own eyes in the mirror and say the world can trust you. I mean, the benefit I think is being able to be alone in silence. And, and you and still hear, like you. And hear your whispers, you yeah. know, alone. Yeah. To hear the whispers of your heart. You know, because yeah. when, when, when our mind is sober and we're all alone, man, our memories whisper, bro. Yeah. Our memories whisper. But what really are the messages whisper. it tells you? Yeah. And so Not enough. You didn't do enough. You're not worth it. Or oh, We get off, man. We've got every billboard is telling us you suck unless. Oh, yeah. Every commercial saying you suck unless. Yeah. There's no commercial or ad saying you're a wonderful, amazing human being. And yeah. we would just be great and honored if you would subscribe to the shit we're selling. Yeah. Right? No. Don't you don't do need it. <laughs> but <laughs> like, it'd be nice if you yeah, get it. Yeah. You, you're, you're a worthy being. And yeah. we would love for you to use some of what you earn with yeah. what we feel as well. Anyway, I just think there's a lot of things telling us we're worthless. And most people are dealing with an issue of worth as it is anyway. When we really start working on this and upstanding to things that make people feel worthless, that create a engineer a social mindset that certain people are worthless or not worthy. Mm -hmm. When we stand up to those kind of violences and begin to like, heal man it's not that we feel like we're worth more than others we just feel more worthy well and i think the thing there's a sweetness to that help that making a difference there the cost uh shows you that it was hard and it was something worthwhile mm -hmm. but you know in the middle of the night when you can't sleep or when you're like have self-doubt yeah. because somebody left you or yeah. like you lost your job right yeah. like evidence always matters more you know, because like your brain might still ask those questions, but then, you know, like part of the reason why I share, like, what am I doing to make a difference in the world? What am I doing to take care of myself so I can make a difference in the world? Those are the two questions I ask myself every podcast. Yeah. But because like I need to take care of myself enough to go do those things, and I need to go do those things and then get back to taking care of myself because that's where the fulfillment comes from, right? I fed someone hungry. I made a difference. I stood up when it wasn't comfortable. Right. And I did something about it. Right. Right. And the evidence trumps the doubt. Yes. Because you're like, I got A, B, C, D, and E, and F. That fulfillment does not go away. It's not a passing thing. It's not just here for a moment. I think that's the difference. I'm not a political person, but I just think it's kind of ironic that the word, when we use the word Trump something. I know. Overpowering. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we should find like a better, like, subtly subverts and shows the truth of. <laughs> that's a much better word. We have to make one up. I think we need one. Yeah. So with that, what have you been doing to take care of yourself? A big thing for me is uh, hey, bud. getting up in the morning. Hey, there's Jake. What's up, man? <laughs> you made it back, brother. Good to see you. Yep. <laughs> hey. Getting up early. Yeah. Going to bed earlier. Yeah. Just really trying to get some sleep. That's good. No, I'm serious. Like, yeah, I know the rest. Like basic stuff, man. Just like really trying to. I'm a, I'm a night owl. I can stay up all night. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to do little simple things to help myself. And one of those things is I'm gonna go to bed, yeah, and I'm gonna get a long night's sleep, even if I lay there. Sometimes funny, and get up early. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, that you need the light 
for the stress. Mm -hmm. The stress wakes you up. But then if you get up early, you get some really good sunlight in. Yeah. Like you get that stress in your body early, the stress slowly fades over the course of the day, yeah. which slowly boosts that melatonin production. So then when you lay down, you rest. I highly recommend, I've been doing this too, if you, when you do get up early, do something physical, pop out of yeah. bed, pop in some push-ups real quick, and then get outside, like get outside right yeah. away. Touch um, the ground. I don't know if you're hearing this podcast in Minnesota in January, because yeah. it's kind of all, but get outside and see a little bit of something. Sunlight though. But I get up and I water my plants. Yeah. Hibiscus, I got Arabian jasmine, oleanders, and yacaranda trees and stuff. I go out and water, and then, you know, I try to walk and then do something just physical, but just get out and breathe the air. And that's, you know, that's what we did as humans for since we've been on this planet. That and drink a big glass of something. Because yeah. you lose a gallon of water every night you sleep. That's so like, nuts. we're trying to start our engine without any oil. Like get that big old glass of water, yeah. touch the earth, feel the sun. Yeah. I know in Minnesota sometimes it's just the gray. Because <laughs> I used to be there too, it's rough. <laughs> Uh, so with that, Calvin, you want to tell them how they can get a hold of you, learn more about you and what you're up to? Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to give you two websites, Calvin Terrell, that's T-E-R-R-E-L-L.com, as well as Socialcentric, C-E-N-T-R-I-C.com. Those are, Socialcentric is my website for my nonprofit. Calvin Terrell is just me doing my stuff in the world. If you want to send me an email, a simple one is Calvin at CalvinTerrell.com or Calvin B, B as in boy, dot Terrell at gmail.com. For me, it's inclusive activism at cox.net. I think you know how to spell that by now, so I'm not going to go over that. It's just for the sake of time. You can also learn more about me and what we're up to at inclusiveactivism.com. Uh, remember, you can voicemail us at 860-576-9393. That's 860-576-9393. Shoot a text, shoot an email, email either one of us. We'll read it out. Be in community with us. Tell us what you're learning. Tell us what we could do better because we don't want to do this without you. Yes, please. So with that, yeah, signing out. Blessings and peace.